0: my Lord. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Songwriter says that today is your day. You're next in line for a blessing today. For your faithfulness. Your time has come. I don't know about you, but Physicians have got me on fire this morning. Led us into a spirit of worship that I, I wish I could replicate every morning in my own house. Unfortunately, I have only my own voice to hear, but they've been on fire today. We thank God for it. I hope you're doing well in your home. It's so good to come back to the Cyber Sanctuary and share with you this morning. I want to thank you. Reg and T and D for their faithfulness and for being here and for playing and singing and leading us in. I want to thank Kaz and Alvin for lending their voices this morning and coming out this morning. I want to thank Greg and Theris and Anthony for being in the booth and making sure everything is going on like clockwork. I want to thank our cheering section for coming this morning. They've been faithful. Destiny and Anissa have been faithful thank Karen for being here with us all the time today she's at home just being grandma thank all the folk who come out and support us keep us going all the folk in the front in the office of the church you never see they're never going to be on the broadcast probably but they make it happen and I want to thank you for your faithfulness for your support of 45th street can you believe it's been almost what 16 weeks that we've been coming to you in this way but what a mighty God we serve who helps us to position this service so that it can can continue to come out to you what a mighty God we serve who's been blessing us with all the resources and knowledge and relationships we need to ensure that you don't miss one single beat I know there have been some hiccups Every now and then we have some challenges, but God has been faithful to us. He's been good to us. I know you're mad at red. Some of y'all waste your milk or your coffee or your orange juice this morning when he started telling you to get up. If you're on the Lord's side, you forgot where you were, thought you were back here in fortified Sanctuary. Yeah. One day soon, I hope, we'll be back in here and we can all stand up and celebrate in that song Uh, whoever thought that you'd be missing singing the friendliest church song and going around greeting everybody but we do we do it we'll get back here soon but not yet not just yet not till these numbers come down not 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 till we get a better handle on what's going on in our community i call it the pestilence that's among us we'll get used to it There are other areas of pestilence we have, but this one, this novel coronavirus seems to be in charge of some areas right now. But I want you to know that God is still in charge. We need to do the things that we can do in order to thwart the spread of this disease. Wear your masks, wash your hands, keep your distance those things will help us out significantly. But I tell you what, the novel coronavirus can't stop the delivery of the word. It can't stop us from teaching and training and learning and growing in Christ even in this time period. And so today, I'm eager to start a brand new sermon series. Each month in um, 45th Street's calendar is dedicated to a different topic. You saw it in May we talk about women and women's issues and in July I mean in June we talk about men and fatherhood July is typically reserved for the family we normally have a lot of activities throughout the month of July centering on the family with all aspects of the family August is education so on and so forth this month we want to talk about family I think we've been in need of a good family talk for a long time. I think we've been in need of a good discussion of how families are doing, how they're getting together, and how we're struggling in some areas. And so I asked the Lord to lead me to a place so we might be able to do that. And he led me to a sermon series that we're going to call, I Only Have Eyes For You. I only have eyes f- for you. Some of y'all old enough to remember that. Some of y'all seen enough TV shows with the flamingos singing that song. One of them good doo-wop songs. Yeah. I only have eyes for you. Real simple song. Reg is playing it back there right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing it enough. Yeah. It's a simple song where a guy's falling in love with someone and because the love is so overwhelming, nothing else in the world seems to be apparent. He says, are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. Why? Because I only have eyes for you. He says he can't tell if he's walking in a crowd or if it's just the two of them because they only see one another everybody knows that feeling that floaty feeling of falling in love being with someone you care about if you don't know it you're looking for it you're struggling to find it if you've had it you're looking to find it again it's just part of our human nature and so the sermon series will go on for a few weeks Got a few of the subjects lined up that I think are important when it comes to strengthening and renewing or rehabilitating, in some instances, some of our relationships. So I only have eyes for you. It's a marriage rehab slash renew series. I want to make us better. It's going to be more teachy than preachy. I can tell you that right now, because I want us to learn and grow from it. Going to reference several Bible verses, Areas of the Bible that we can learn from. So you might want to take some notes while we go through this. Each week we'll have a different sermon theme. And the theme this week is going to be, it's going to sound funny. It's going to sound strange to you. But the theme this week is going to be simply crumbs. Crumbs. That's our sermon topic today. Crumbs. C-R-U-M-B-S. I believe it will become more apparent to you as we move along. Messages for everyone, whether you're married, whether you're single, maybe single don't want to get married, or single want to get married. Two different things, two different thought processes. Whether you're um, divorced and okay with it, or divorced, maybe still hurting, but you want to get back into a relationship. You're still hurting, still struggling. This me- message for you too. Widow, want to start a new relationship? Widow, don't want to start a new relationship, but want to help strengthen other people through your experiences. We need to learn how to be supportive of one another, whatever the situation we find ourselves in, and stop castigating people because they are in a certain place we need to learn how to strengthen one another because we all have experiences that are beneficial at some point in life if it hasn't already happened you're gonna fall in love maybe you you remember that place where you were when you did fall in love falling in love has one significant requirement Cass, and that's a pulse That's all, just a pulse. Yeah, people fall in love. They do. It's a simple thing. You spend enough time mooning and longing for somebody, you can fall in love with them, particularly if it's requited, if it's returned. Sometimes it's unrequited. Sometimes the one you love doesn't love you back. Songwriter put it like this, it's so good. Loving somebody. When somebody loves you back. Yeah. yeah. But another songwriter said, What a fool believes, he sees. No wise man has the power to reason away. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Another one said, I'll be a fool for love. Love is a special thing. When people pursue it. It like they throw all reason to the side. The last count, there were over 1,500 professional organizations that helped us deal with the topic of love. 1,500. The music industry is full of songs talking about falling in love. Uh, we could go on and on for days talking about the various aspects of love. Love is a high commodity. We diminish it, however. When we don't treat it in its truest form, I believe the imperative in the Bible is love. It's the one concept that flows across all time, all centuries, all spans. In fact, it's because of love that God allows us to exist. And when we start dealing with the topic of love, we need to do it in the most holy and holistic way we can. We've diminished it so significantly that there are some people who don't even believe in love. they don't know that their very existence came about was birthed not physically but spiritually out of love how do i know that because the bible tells me that that's exactly how we came into existence and how we have been saved why would a god pursue these people over all these years and centuries people who consistently turn their back people who consistently denigrate his name and turn their backs on him and don't do the things he tells them to do why would he do that except he loves us so then what is what is love you know and i know that there are whole plot lines in movies all about somebody falling in love and trying to close the deal on love the whole movie is about boy sees girl girl sees boy they want to get together boom here's the plot line the whole movie is about them finally getting together most folk will admit to you that they believe in the concept of love, the concept even of falling in love, even if they are not in love now or they've been hurt, they've been divorced. They still believe in the concept that you can find someone and watch this now live happily ever after. Whatever that is, whatever that means, because what happily ever after is in my house, might be different than happily ever after in your house. That's just how we're wired, church. We're just wired to be with one another and to want to have a special someone. We're wired to fall in love. God said it was not good for a man to be by himself. And so he created someone to be with him. And we've been looking for someone to be with us. Ever since, I still believe that God is the kind of God who brings somebody to us to be with us. You don't have to send a manhunt out to find that special someone. The circumstances of life are still controlled by God, and he can still bring people together. Sometimes it seems unusual how he allows people together. Sometimes you wouldn't fit the pieces together, and yet they match and they work well. But God is still blessing folk. We spend thousands of dollars on ceremonies to get married and spend no money on the marriage at all. No energy. We gotta flip that and start putting more energy into our marriages and maybe spend a little bit less on our ceremonies. I can tell you this right now, standing in front of a minister, at the, at, at the front of a church by yourself, just a couple, you and the minister, that marriage can last as long as one where there are street loads of people there to celebrate with you because the ceremony doesn't dictate the marriage. And so we're glad today to come and to share what I believe is going to be supportive of you growing and continuing to grow or getting to that place you need to to be. The first thing you need to know is this, most people have figured out clumsily how to fall in love land, but most of them haven't figured out or are tragically under equipped and ill trained to actually stay in love land once they move in. Yeah, you figured out how to get in there, but you don't know how to stay there. That's the problem. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So I figured out how to move into love land, but how do I stay in love land? When I think back over the stories about love when I was growing up, uh, uh, I found one tragic flaw in all those stories. You watched them. You saw them on TV. You saw the knight pursuing the princess. You saw the man pursuing the woman. Story after story would go on and on, but there's a tragic flaw in all of them. Maybe they ran out of time in the movie and couldn't bring that next piece on board, Or, 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 or maybe there were too many pages in the book already, and so they had to stop it at a certain place. But all of them tragically stopped at the wedding our favorite favorite movie everybody's sitting up here waiting right now on the famous coming to america 2 uh, movie for all of the fun in the first movie is stopped at the wedding ceremony you and i both know that gives us an illogical opinion on what marriage is because the assumption is that after the wedding ceremony, everybody's gonna live a happily ever after story. That's the assumption from all of the books, all the movies, everything you know about. Just get me to the altar. In fact, that's song. Just get me to the altar. And if I can get to the altar, I can close the deal and everything will be all right. Just let me close the deal on it. And you and I both know. The implication is that the most difficult task is over once the I do's are said. There never, never ever seems to be anything after that. There are never any scenes, Anthony, of Sleeping Beauty laying over there snoring after the wedding. There's never any scenes of the prince with a pot belly or he can't get his armor on because he's grown a little bit. There's never any of those realistic scenes that show you exactly what happened after you get married. Everybody thinks you're going to walk around in this ideal set. And I came to tell you right now that that's just not reality. That's not reality. Because those stories are fantasies and they express an ideal, and unfortunately, too many folk have bought into the ideal. Can I say it? Most young guys don't think about their wedding day when they're growing up. That ain't something we sit around talking about. I don't ever remember a time, as many times as I sat in a circle with young guys, we talked about a whole lot of stuff, and I can tell you this, over the years, not one time did anybody ever bring up, man, I can't wait till my wedding day. That never happens in a circle full of young men, but it always happens with young women. They plan their days. They plan who the prince is gonna be. They identify them, they know what their wedding gown is gonna look like, who their bridesmaids are gonna be, where they're gonna go on a trip. They gonna me and we gonna live in this house up on the hill. That's what me and my baby are gonna live. That's what they used to say all the time. Guys used to look at them like, what are you talking about? You see the problem already? Women go into marriage, girls go into marriage with an idyllic look on what it's supposed to be like. And sometimes guys just get tugged in. That's not to say they don't care about it. the concept of marriage. They simply don't show up with the same ideal or view toward marriage that the woman does, and that creates problems. I'll tell you why it creates problems as we go along but Jesus does something radical in this verse bring you back to the Bible in this verse I just read you where he says a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another watch this cast Jesus takes this verse and he upends the normal way of thinking about love he changes the whole concept he changes it by making love not a noun but a verb he changes it in other words love is not a state you're in it's a thing you do that's a completely different concept all right that's a completely different concept he makes love a verb and love as a verb look different than love as a a noun Oh yeah, love, the foundation for staying in love land is to work. Everybody say work. Yeah, the foundation for staying in love land means you gotta do something. You can't just be there. there are no lazy folk in love land. If you're lazy in a marriage, you got problems. You gotta do something to stay in love land. And in fact, one of the problems comes when one party is working real, real hard, stay in love land and the other person is doing nothing or not as much in love land love l-o-v-e is more than a feeling jesus shows us that love requires action can i make it plain god loved us from the beginning he loved us from the beginning there's no doubt about that but john 3 16 modifies, clarifies how much he loves us. He loved us so much that he was willing to do something for us, and what he did was give us the ultimate that he had. He worked harder than anybody could work for us by giving us the best that he had. Showed us that love is love in action. He could have sat there in heaven and loved us still, But he loved us enough to give us, do something, work for us, and that is get us back into a right relationship with us, with him. That's how much he loved us. The question is, what are you willing to do for love? One songwriter wrote it. Y'all listen to it enough, not in the context of church, but the songwriter asked, what you won't do? Do for love. You tried everything, but you won't give up. In my world only you come on y'all know the song I don't have to keep going made me do for love what I would not do love means you got to do something for your for your your loved one the Bible also tells us how we get into this state I believe in the uh, sanctity and the beauty of marriage I believe in it I don't believe it should be diminished at all I think it's important people get married. I believe it's important that people commit to one another. And when you do that, when you do that, there is a conscious action being taken. You're not just going through the motions. Genesis 2 and 24 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. There's a blueprint there on what happens when you get married, because a lot of people have this messed up. I got some mamas out there who think they're going to always be the number one woman in their son's eyes. I can tell you right now, that's a flunk from the very beginning. How you going to be number one in your son's eyes and your husband's eyes, too? That's a problem already, all right? Just as you want to be number one in your husband's eyes, so too must your son's wife be number one in his eyes. But that requires two things, understanding this concept. You have to intentionally leave and consciously weave yourself. Intentionally leave. That means when you get married, you have to intentionally leave your mom and daddy's house. You got to leave them. You got to leave the umbrella of protection that comes from them and strike out on your own. Does that mean you can't every now and dip in under the umbrella of mom and daddy? maybe get some benefit that doesn't mean that it means you have to go and establish your own homestead establish your own home and it also means you have to consciously weave yourself weave you know what weaving is everybody know what weave is these days (laughs) you have to consciously weave yourself i don't care if you staple it glue it whatever you do, braid it, whatever you do, tack it down any kind of way, but you gotta weave yourself into your spouse's life. You can't live two separate lives. It can't be your family and my family, it becomes our family, that's right. You belong to all the crazy folk in your family, your your spouse's family uh, world too, You, you belong to them. You can't sit back as if you don't belong to them let me tell you why because that creates division if you're not consciously weaving yourself into his world or her world then you're never going to accept accept the relationships as they are this is hard this is hard because I, I tell you this everybody's not gonna like you but like is not the imperative love is love is the imperative And you don't like everything your spouse does, but you love them. You've got to put yourself in a place where you are dealing intentionally with your spouse's family. You've got to put yourself in a higher place where you understand exactly where they come from and help them deal with the circumstances of their relationship. Can I tell you this? The Bible says you have to uh, pursue with hard devotion. Yeah. Becoming one flesh means you got to work at it. That's work, didn't I tell you? You got to work in love land. That means you have to try to aim for, continue to work for unity and intimacy. Intimacy, people always think intimacy is sexual. And there is sexuality in intimacy. But intimacy simply means to know to know. You got to know them. When you're intimate with someone, you got to know them. You got to understand them. You got to seek to understand why they jump in their sleep at night. What's going on with them? You got to seek to understand. Why don't they ever want to be in a room with the lights completely out? You got to seek to understand what is it about not talking to this certain uncle that stops them from calling. You got to learn what's going on with your folk. That's intimacy. You gotta understand why don't they get along with their dad why is their mama hovering so much that's part of learning and knowing and intentionally weaving and watch this now not only do you have to learn this about them you have to let them learn that about you which means you got to open up but the only way you can do that is if there is intimacy Truth of the matter is Karen knows things about me that I'm sure nobody else will ever know because that's part of our relationship that's how we grow that's how we grow there's not even anything that should be a part of public consumption it's just how we appreciate and understand one another and the same thing is true of you nobody needs to know all your business you shouldn't have anybody who you can sit down and say, oh, they know everything about me, if it ain't your spouse or whoever you involved in a relationship. No, 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 no. Your sister shouldn't know everything about you and your husband relationship. No, no, that's too much for her to know. That's too much knowledge for them to have because it gives them an upper hand over someone they have no obligation to. They can look at them down their nose, in judgment, because they know something about you. I got something on you. That's too much knowledge for them. Stop trying to be so cool that you're killing your relationship. Stop talking about all that with them. It is ruinous to your relationship. Two reasons why people struggle when it comes to intentionally leaving and consciously weaving. First of all, familiarity. Men are more guilty of this than women. We get too comfortable in our marriage too soon. Soon as we get there, we're here now. Like I said, pursuit is over, sign the deal. But the truth of the matter is you have to struggle to be known by your spouse. That means you gotta talk to them. Communication is the key in a relationship. Communication is so important when you don't have communication it's like a stopped up drain nothing good comes out of it there has to be a constant flow of communication the water's got to be running to stay fresh. when you stop communicating you may as well have plugged the drain and just let the pool fill up and it's gonna it's sooner or later it's going to get bad bad you've got to let the communication continue to flow. But in order to do that, you got to be open. you got to be vulnerable. Can I tell you this, too? The reason why we call this sermon crumbs is because too soon in our relationship we satisfy ourselves with just crumbs when it comes to dealing with one another. What does that mean, Reverend Sparks? Every day God gives us a, let's just say this, a slice of cake. Y'all got to bear with me today. I'm going to stay here a minute. Gives us a slice of cake. We have the opportunity to share that cake with anybody we want. But most of the time, we take most of that slice of cake and eat it for ourselves. Let's just say cake is analogous with time. We eat it all ourselves. We don't share it with anybody. We think God just blesses us with that. But the truth of the matter, who you choose to share that cake with is beneficial. And every day when you get married, you've chosen to share that cake with somebody special. But usually we go out and we give a certain amount of it to our job. We give a certain amount of it to our folk on the job. We talk more to some folk in our job than we do our spouses sometimes. We share more of our cake with them. We don't reserve any for our children. And at the end of the day, we come home and all that's left for us to share with our spouse is a few little crumbs. And that becomes our relationship. And we repeat that day after day. They're never getting any substantive part of our cake. We're never sharing that slice with them at all. Even though if the Lord blesses us, we're going to get another slice the next morning. His mercies are new every day. But we don't share that time, that cake with anyone else. Can I tell you, deciding to share your cake, your time with someone is the best gift you can give them. And we're all guilty of it. I stand here convicted that I have not been sharing my cake like I should. I've been giving my cake to too many other places. Too much time spent on things that don't give as good a reward or a good return as a relationship does. And this is the sad thing. Some families, some spouses have become experts at dealing with crumbs. They figured out how to make crumbs feel like a life. Can I tell you in the end, it's just crumbs. And the only way you realize you're just getting crumbs is one day you might get a bigger piece of it. And then you realize just how much you've been missing. Yeah, that's what happens. We start giving people just the end of our day, just the dredges of our day, just a small portion of our day, just a small portion of us Just the crumbs of life is what we make into a relationship. And guess what happens? When you've been married for a long time or together for a long time, and all you're used to doing is giving your spouse crumbs, when all those other activities like work or the children get grown, or you're at home for any period of time, you don't know how to share your cake with them. And you end up both sitting in different parts of the house unable to communicate effectively because you don't know what it means to be intimate. Most of the time, people reach that point and they end up separating or having significant trouble because they've never ever learned what it means to share. Can I tell you why it happens? Well, at the beginning of your relationship, You're exhausted because you got duties, you got young children, you got work, all these things get in the way of you. And so that's why at the end of the day, all you have left is crumbs. Perhaps that is understandable. But even under those circumstances, you got to make a way, make a way to share with one another. It has to be important that you intentionally leave and consciously weave together your relationship. And so you got to make it happen. When you're exhausted, it's hard to make that happen. Later in life, when there's less responsibility, there's also less energy. <laughs> less energy to get up and do something. You find yourself saying, I don't want to go out today. Let's just sit here. And you're not intentionally weaving or intentionally or consciously weaving together. You've got to be willing to do it. And so it becomes acceptable to not share with anybody. We put our marriages on autopilot and then we pray that there's no significant turbulence while we're coasting along. And we still think that we're doing what God wants us to do, even though we're not really doing anything in our relationship. And so, intentionally leaving and, and consciously weaving is required, or else we'll find ourselves just giving crumbs in our relationship. Not only that, I always say in my marriage vows that I give when I'm married, all the couples, I always use the terminology submit. I always let them know on the front end do you promise to submit to one another? Lately, I've been getting a lot of raised eyebrows, but once I explain to them what I mean by that, I've not had one couple who didn't agree to use those terms in their marriage vows. Submission, watch this now, requires strength, self-confidence, and, this is important, self-evaluation. Self-confidence and self-evaluation and strength are necessary if you're going to submit. Watch this, Ephesians 5 and 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's, That's important. You're not just submitting for submission's sake, but the reason you're submitting is because of your relationship with Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In your relationship with Christ, you submit to him. And so I always tell couples, you are required by your union to submit to one another. It's not just a woman submitting to a man thing, it's also a man submitting to a woman. Submit to one another. See, we evaluate our marriages and we evaluate our partners too much. We always look at what the other person is doing wrong and rarely do we look at what we do wrong. We don't evaluate ourselves enough, but in marriage, when there's a conflict, almost without exception, we find ourselves, and this is the problem, we end up making our spouse the enemy in the argument as opposed to trying to figure out what I did to bring it to this place. And until I'm willing to evaluate what I have done, typically we're not going to find an exception. It may be that you're a victim under the circumstance. It may be, but you need to be willing to openly look at it. You need to have the confidence to look at yourself. And you need to be able to do some self-evaluation. We're not fighting for our marriages most of the time, we're just fighting in our marriages. If you're going to fight for your marriage, then you need to start with what's wrong with you in order to make it better. This is essential to getting your marriage to last and to have staying power and for you to live in love land. And I tell you what, if you do more self-evaluation, then you'll find yourself giving more than crumbs to your spouse. You'll find yourself sharing more with that person. Unmarried people, there's a rule I want to give you. Make sure you you, you write this one down. The rule is the B over F rule. The B over F rule. That means you need to focus on being the right person instead of finding the right person. The B over F rule. Everybody going around saying, I gotta find the right right person. There's somebody out there that's just with me. I tell you what, if you focus on just being the one, you focus on making a better you, being the best version of you, then you're gonna be attractive enough for somebody to find you if you do that. You be the one that everybody wants to have a relationship. B over F rule. Watch this, I'm not the same person I was by far when I met Karen 37 years ago. And so I often, I wonder, And I'm different for a whole lot of reasons. I just look different, I think different, I operate different, I talk different. And so I wonder, if we met today, would we still be drawn to one another under these circumstances? After being married now for 34 years, I wonder, uh, would the person I am today be the one she say I do to? I like to think, yes, I would. I like to think I'm better than I was then. I like to think that. But when I evaluate, I know the areas that I fall short in. I know my shortcomings. I know the things that I need to work on. And so I wonder, would we be drawn together? So it's easy to say when trouble comes, I married the wrong person. People say that all the time. As Soon as trouble jumps up, I married the wrong person. But it's also an unfair statement to make that. Let me tell you why. Because nobody stays the same. From the moment you marry, you're changing. You're reacting to what the other person is doing. And so I'm different today because we are both different today. We've both been changing and modifying and adjusting based on our relationship with one another. And so whether I'm better or worse depends on her just as much as her being better or worse worse depends on me. Let me see if I can make that plain to you if your spouse had made consistent deposits into your bank account since you've been married consistent and regular deposits and through investments it's become a sizable fortune i don't know any spouse in the world that wouldn't come up and claim some responsibility for contributing to that fortune you created oh yeah they would say i helped to create that fortune that you amassed the same is true of marriage if he or she has regularly deposited into your growth into your self-esteem and that results in you being a wonderful spouse a better person more successful at what you do why shouldn't that spouse also claim some responsibility for that because He or she has helped you to become the person that you are today. Now watch this before you start clapping. The same thing is true. If instead of making deposits into your your, your account, suppose all they do every day is draw off your account. Suppose they draw you down to a negative balance every day. Suppose they reduce your self-esteem down to nothing every day. Then they wonder why 10, 15 years after they married, you got the same person I first married. Is it because you call me nothing every day? Is it because you mistreat me every day? Is it because you take everything I got every day? Just like you can claim responsibility for success, you also have to claim some responsibility when they're not doing well. That's simply part of being in a relationship with with another person. My marriage or your future marriage needs to focus on this. Now watch this, you're not gonna be be happy with me on this. Your marriage or your future marriage needs to focus on your obligations to your family and not simply your objectives to your future. Don't get mad at me on that, we're gonna talk about that as we go through these next lessons. I'm gonna say it one more time for you. Say it one more time. Your marriage or your future marriage needs to focus on your obligations to your family and not simply your objectives to your future. Yeah, now all this depends on your definition of having it all. What does it mean to have it all? You're gonna to have to refine that definition. And so, those of you who understand now that being in a relationship means you've got to figure out how to give the other person more than the crumbs of the day, more than the crumbs you have left over in your relationship. more than It means more than you giving them the ends of the day. Let me say they're the dregs of the day. It means more than that. It means you have to intentionally give them a significant part of you. You have to talk to them about who you are. You have to reveal to them who you are. In fact, in order for you to reveal to them who you are, most of the time we got to reveal to ourselves who we are. Before we can share that, we have to be intimate with them. So we have to intentionally leave and consciously weave ourselves with them. We have to submit ourselves. That means we have to have the strength to do it, the self-confidence to know that everything they say about me is not a knock on me. But it's trying to build me, and we have to have self-evaluation tools to know when we're doing wrong. Don't forget to be over F rule, and last but not least, you got to consistently connect with Christ. Oh yeah, if you want to be growing in Christ, then you need to be growing in Christ. If you want your relationship to be growing in Christ, if you want Christ to bless you and to deal with your circumstances, then you need to invite him in. Let him be the unseen guest at every dinner table, in every conversation. You need to talk to one another like Christ is there. You need to set rules on when you argue so you can't call each other anything and denigrate one another. You need to do all these things, and you do that if you consistently connect with Christ. Choose to receive love from Christ so you can return love in your marriage. Watch this now. Choose to receive love from Christ so that you can return that love in your marriage first john 419 we love because he first loved us we didn't create the concept all we're doing is doing unto others what's been done unto us that's all he's been loving us john 4 4 through 18 tells the story of how jesus said somebody straight that had a confused concept of what relationship was about you know the story it's about a woman who had mistaken romance for being together, about a woman he met at a, at a well, by chance, for her. What a wonderful chance for her. It was intentional for him that he came to the well that day, connected with that woman that day, and called her out, told her her whole story, just because he asked for a drink of water. That's all he did, was ask for a drink of water, and she opened herself up to learning more about herself than she had ever known. And how did she do that? Because she shared intimately with Jesus Christ. When she availed herself of the knowledge that he had, she made herself better going forward. Go read the story of the woman that Jesus met at that well and learn the kind of lifestyle she was living. And I'm not here to talk about the negativity of the lifestyle. I'm here to say that she became self-aware that what she mistook for romance wasn't love at all. She was on five husbands, had had five husbands, and the man she was with wasn't her husband either. She'd never really been to love land until she went to that well and met Jesus. And once she went to that well and met Jesus, that's when she understood that she had been living on crumbs. And crumbs are not enough to sustain any relationship. You need to give someone a significant portion of you in order for them to stay attached to you. Watch this. When he met her, he told her that if you'll simply drink this water that I'm about to give you, then you'll never thirst again. Can I tell you something? Anybody who's truly been in love knows how fulfilling and satisfying that real love is. They know that it's the kind of love, it's the kind of feeling that will keep you sated, that's the word, satisfied. Just like a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once you know him, once you've met him, once he's been a part of your life, you never want that feeling to go away. And it's like that with real love. I'm talking about that real love. Yeah, that real love. That's the kind of love you're looking for. Stop selling for crumbs and start getting your whole slice every day or at least sharing your slice with someone you care about. Watch this. Jesus Christ loved us enough that he didn't want us to keep satisfying ourselves with the crumbs of a relationship from all of those fake idols. And so he decided to come and show us what real love was. He decided that he loved us enough to give his whole life for us. I love that about him, that he didn't think that I wasn't worth it. And so he gave his life for me. Your spouse, your friend, whoever it is you're with, ought to know that you'll give yourself away your whole self to them just because you love them and Jesus Christ did it just because he loved us and God accepted it John 3:16 says because he loved us enough If you never accepted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior never accepted the gift that he's given then today is the day I know I know I will a little longer than I normally do that's all right some things are worth talking about and I want to share enough with you today to say, let the foundation uh, lay the foundation for all we're going to talk about in this family series. Look, we need to be talking about our families because we got some messed up stuff in our families. And so we're going to keep on talking, teaching, preaching. I'll see you next time in the Cyber Sanctuary. God bless you, and I love you. It's great to see you today. Take care.